Thanks so much for joining me. I have uh, Aaron, Justin, and Chelsea here with the Bleeding Audio, um, a really fun documentary about a band, The Matches, which uh, new to me, but uh, I was immediately hooked, went into the whole discography, um, greatly enjoyed my whole journey with this. Uh, I like a documentary where I, uh, it, it feels expansive. I get to explore something after, and, and I've, I've been hooked on the music all week. I've really enjoying this journey. The most pressing question is, uh, what's it like to show a movie during COVID? What is what is the festival experience? Is there even a market right now? Yeah, it's been um, a wild and interesting new experience. Um, obviously, you know, I've been, I've been working on this film for like six years and uh -huh. um, the energy exchange that comes with an in-person theater experience is one that I am still craving. We had one, um, we had one big world premiere on March 7th, 2020. And so um, it was kind of on the brink of, of everything shutting down, but um, it's been really exciting exploring this landscape of virtual festivals because um, while it's not the same theater experience, a lot of festivals are working really hard to try and preserve the experience. And not only that, but um, it's opening up a whole new audience to independent cinema and it's been really exciting for me, um, you know, having a bit of a built-in fan base who's been following our journey with the matches, um, you know, since I started pre-production, um, to introduce them to independent film festivals and seeing them get excited and learn more about um, being able to consume content from indie filmmakers that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. So, you know, there's ups and downs, but um, overall it's just about finding an audience and I've been really excited about it. <laughs> Six years is a long time. It sounds like a real passion project. Um, I, I guess what brought you to the band? What got you to put six years of life into this project? Stubbornness? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, I learned about this band in 2005. They opened for one of my, my favorite bands at the time, Motion City Soundtrack. And I was hooked, you know, like just like the film shows, their energy on stage and... Um, their friendliness and willingness to just get in a crowd and actually talk to people and get to know them. And, um, and that, that immediately got me really engaged with them and making them probably my favorite band. And when I moved to San Francisco for film school, I started doing little film projects for them and uh, just became close friends. And when they, um, uh, when they kind of let me know that they were starting, they were gonna do a reunion I offered to help them out with promotional videos, but even being inside circle, there was so much about their story that I didn't know. And I thought, you know, first of all, of course I want the world to love this band, but more importantly, it felt like their story was such um, a perfect example of how bands are navigating this new era. And to me, obviously I wanted everyone to know who this band was and fall in love with them like I did. Um, but more importantly, I wanted to expose like the realities and the truth of being an artist in today's digital world. And so it felt like the perfect, you know, the perfect story to kind of access that side that people don't see. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how it went down. And then Aaron, you know, <laughs> helped along the way. <laughs> and, Aaron, you're uh, producing the film, correct? Yeah, I met Chelsea about midway through her, I guess about three years ago, a little over three years ago, um, at, at a um, female filmmaker like collective, and she started talking about the project. And I hadn't heard of the matches before. I was totally new, fresh, fresh eyes. 
and um, she sent me a cut of the film. It was a previous sort of like a rough assembly, rough cut. And I saw it and was really captivated by the story. Um, the guys themselves are so like, so uh, they have such a great charisma on screen. Of course, the music is great. And I just really loved her visual style and her perspective on the, on the story. And I was sort of hooked. And we didn't know, obviously, that was going to take us three years from that point. We thought we were a little farther along in post, but you know, um, we're super happy <laughs> to be where we are and the film um, had its own sort of journey. I think sometimes you can't force art to be finished before it's ready. I'm also grateful that uh, Justin's joining us. It's a, a pleasure to have someone from the band here to uh, give another perspective. Um, oh, my I, pleasure. A lot like the first question, uh, things are shifting a lot for performance arts. Um, I'd just like to hear your view on like, what's going on? What's the culture of music right now? How does it recover and can it? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of feel like my my perspective is is like a little bit outside of that. Um, luck, luckily, I think our our heyday was kind of. Um, well, I mean, I guess it was it was quite a transitional period, our our heyday. So, <laughs> but. Um, once you know once our band stopped like everything just kept changing so i um as far as like artists today it's i don't know it's everybody's kind of like has found their own kind of approach to things um and for us since we're not we're not really doing the band as like full-time like each person kind of has like their own their own thing that they're focusing on and then we kind of come together and kind of do uh, a little bit here and a little bit there, um, we're able to maintain the band, the band, but without like having the right rely on it for our own um, like personal support or you know supporting our life. Um, so it kind of gives us a little bit more freedom mm. to kind of approach it in like a more healthy way. I think. Um, prior prior to pandemic it was you know i think it was a lot of bands were just you just had to pretty much like live on the road and tour to keep your band going and so um i i can't even imagine what some of the bands are you know struggling with right now trying to maintain the band or like livelihoods when you know they can't tour so hopefully there's you know some kind of shift for a lot of these bands where they're able to uh, find a healthy way to to maintain a lifestyle um, that isn't 100% dependent on touring, um, and so that it can you know still focus on making music, but not have the issues of extreme burnout that we dealt with a lot. Um, structurally, I feel like all documentaries are kind of telling a story, right? In some sense, that there are narrative arcs here, and uh, it's really about, I believe, a special bond and coming together. And wouldn't you say it's a universal experience of growing up, a kind of coming of age story? Yeah, I mean, that's the narrative arc that we chose to follow. Um, when we put this documentary together, I feel like there's there's two kinds of documentaries in the world. They're the ones that are showing these um, you know, very distinct narrative arcs, characters growing, things changing. And then there are ones that are like documenting are just like kind of historical documents, you know, that mm -hmm. are just 
cataloging something. And with Bleeding Audio, um, we knew that we wanted to catalog a lot of the matches um, history, but we also knew we wanted to make the story accessible to artists. We wanted this to be something that was relatable, that you could connect to. And, um, and we actually sat down when we were in post after having structured the film and you know started trimming back the assembly, we literally busted out the hero's journey and started mapping the beats of the story to the to the hero's journey and um, and making sure that we had character arcs that like fully landed. You know, we you know worked really hard to make sure that we had things that actually mapped to traditional you know cinema storytelling, so that it it was that accessible story that that wasn't just a fan film, but one that people could um, you know sort of place themselves in the narrative and understand what was going on. Uh, what are the challenges of like structuring a narrative within a documentary? <laughs> well, you know, when you, when you, when you can, uh, when you can write your own dialogue and write your own, you know, action scenes, you can push your characters where you want them to go. Right. When you're making a documentary, you know, we, we can't make up what didn't happen. So I think it was really thinking through what moments in the band's journey and what moments sort of with the digital music in general, we wanted to sort of weave together, but also, you, you know, we want to make sure that it's still compelling. You know, if you, if you worry too much about sort of how to fill a formulaic sort of structure and you lose some of the soul of the movie. So I think it's, it's hitting some of those sort of like, you know, plot points along the way. Um, and then also, putting in some of those moments where you see each of the, the guys in the band sort of, um, you know, they all have their own interesting quirks and they have these great stories that you want to find moments of humor and, you know, and silliness amongst, you know, cause some of those topics were a little bit, you know, serious and a little bit heavier, but you need to have sort of the, the yin and the yang. Uh, something that I compare it to is it's like, it's like writing a script, but you're provided the only dialogue that you're allowed to use in the script you know, is that it's literally just puzzling something together. So while you can go in as a director and like, you know, have a treatment and get the interviews and collect the content that you think you need. I mean, you know, it holds true with there's the story, you know, you, you know, work it on pre-production, there's the one you shoot and there's the one you edit. And like, honestly, documentaries, you are limited by building a script out of content that already exists, you know? And if you're fortunate enough to be able to go and like film pickups or whatever, you know, that's neither here nor there, but like, it really is like, it's very difficult because it is like a puzzle piece that you have to create yourself. It's interesting from the other side, kind of, you can't, you know, take, you know, distilling like a, a whole whole career or a huge part of somebody's life into, you know, an hour and a half movie. It's, it's, it's interesting to see what was, you know, what's used to tell the story and what's kind of not used to tell the story. Um, uh, and oops, sorry, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, it's you can't you can't fit everything in. So then it's it's interesting to see how the story develops with what is used. Um, one of my favorite takeaways you kind of hear this often in music is uh, um, the way the nature of the market is that it takes a while to develop a band and a band like Pink Floyd. It, it took them a while to get to Dark Side of the Moon. Um, I wonder for Justin um, if you all felt that you had a Dark Side of the moon in you and uh, what that would hypothetically look like for you. Oh boy. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I think um, when a, a band gets time to kind of develop, like I, I imagine, you know, if, if we had the, the budget to continue to work, like, you know, and make 
you know, six records that down the line, I would, I would hope that it would lead to, you know, a great work of artistic vision. Um, and I, I, I think we making the records we did make, I, I feel like we did the best we could in the situation because as a band, we were definitely focused more on touring. And so we're always, always kind of fitting in recording here or there. And it was always kind of like more of a struggle to kind of finish the record. So being able to like camp out in the studio for, you know, six months, I think I, I would like to think it would have been quite, quite an experience. Um, and, and hopefully, um, you know, I, I would, I would like to, I, I hope more bands are able to have the opportunity to sit with their work and develop it versus just trying to, you know, cut, cut recording short so they can get back out on the road. <laughs> I think another interesting outcome is about how people make money in music. Um, rarely do docs really have like the nuance to get into like registering the music and uh, all the like pitfalls of like usual um, monetization in the industry. Um, do you feel there's a pathway toward financial stability now and has the industry changed in a significant way? Um, I, I mean, I think, I think there is, I think you just have to be much more aware of what you're, you're spending and what you're making. Um, I, I think like really, you know, uh, a band that like lives, you know, lives somewhere that's really affordable, that has really low overhead um that are able to to kind of do tours that um are are pretty successful and to record you know probably do their own recordings you could probably you know as long as you're able to maintain a, a decent following are probably able to you know maintain a, a a healthy lifestyle um i think a lot of times what happens is each 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 step the band grows it's you end up spending more money on on production on touring on recording and so you might make a little bit more money but then you have to like spend a little bit more money to try and take it to that next level and i, I think it's trying it's it's about finding where you fit on that level and being kind of comfortable in there and then trying to make sure you're spending appropriately and being much more self-conscious about like your finances and thinking like long-term versus trying to just find the next like, you know, quick thing. Ooh, I have opinions on this too. I think Justin's perspective is amazing. And I think it's a hundred percent relevant today too, is this idea of, of understanding and handling your business. Cause that's like, it's the double-edged sword of the digital era is like now that this craft can be democratized and, and um, everybody has the opportunity to, create music and put it out there it's about like you know you have to understand all the aspects of your business now in order to be successful um which is tricky to do like a lot of artists um which Aaron can probably attest to with me like tend to just shut down when it comes to business stuff and um it's important for us to break through those walls but I I hope you know if there's anything the pandemic stress tested it's that Touring is not a sustainable form of income. It's not healthy for artists and it shouldn't be the only form of income that artists make. And my hope is that this is a wake up call to 
um, musicians and people who advocate for them to look into streaming royalties and find a way of leveling the playing field of making sure that artists are able to actually, you know, benefit financially from the actual art. Right now, it does feel like in our digital era, everything but the music is how artists make money on their music. And that doesn't feel right. And um, I think it's, you know, I, I'm not trying to sit here and be one of those cronies that's like, back in the old days, you know, we should do this, we should go back. Just trying to say that there should be a new way of looking at this. And if the pandemic can expose that, um, then I, I hope for better reform and change in how the industry is structured going forward. Yeah, likewise for Aaron, I feel like the movie industry is finally being democratized in the same way that music was in a way that's explored in the doc. Like um, we're going towards streaming and uh, what was once in-person venues is uh, now now we're enjoying at home. Um, how is that shifting what could be made and uh, how you find projects? Yeah, I think, I mean, just to sort of answer your question and sort of add on to what Chelsea and Justin just said, I think it's hard as a creative, you aren't taught, you know, you don't go to film school and get a class on like how to be an entrepreneur, but you need to be all that business around contracts and like, you know, partnerships and financing and how to finance your project is so vital to actually making it a sustainable career. <laughs> um, and it's unfortunate that we don't really give it enough due and we sort of, we want to focus on the craft and then they want you to push your, you know, make your, make your project. But then it's like, you need to sort of figure out how to really make it a, a you know, you don't want to make it a one-off. You want to make it sort of, again, sustainable. I think it's really challenging to think through you know, even indie filmmakers, I think this year and in, in the movie industry as a whole was really trying to figure out how to, uh, give aid to artists who were struggling, you know, during COVID, but also when the, when the theaters are closed, you know, what, what is, what is, what is a financial um, promise through these streaming services? Because a lot of these like Netflix and Hulu, you know, Amazon studios are not paying what they should be paying for the films that they're buying. And so then you have filmmakers who are, you know, searching for a platform to get their films seen and then feeling like they kind of have to, you know, take these lower deals just to get it on a platform. So, I mean, part of what I'm hoping comes out of this is that there's more, uh, that there's not a monopoly on these streaming platforms, that there's more avenues for small and smaller indie films, maybe don't fit a Netflix or Hulu package, um, but that there's places to see it. But I, I find it really um, hopeful in seeing some of these virtual festivals and what they're doing. Um, you know, I just watched a couple of the Sundance films that just happened this past week. Um, and I think it does really allow people from all over. You don't have to go to Park City to see the films. And that to me is really remarkable, right? Because the, you know, having to pay to fly all the way to these festivals is really challenging. And so that allows me to sort of see that there is a little bit of a push pull, but I think we have a long way to go before it's completely um, equal. And um, there's, a, there's equity amongst, I think, any filmmakers as a whole. And I think doc filmmakers are even, it's even more challenging because I think it's easier to find a platform for potentially a narrative indie than it is for a, a doc indie. One of the coolest stories is um, looking at a decomposer, such a special album with so many producers. I, I just wonder from Justin's perspective, what was that like to have so many, um, I, a lot of people that uh, folks have heard of, but I think if we could go into that, it probably sells the movie pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was um, a really exciting time for the band. Um, like, I, I kind of I, everything was kind of feeling like it was it was falling into place, and we we're uh, starting to make that record. And 
one of the ideas that we had was to use a bunch of different uh, producers. Um, so uh, one, of, one of the things we had done was we started kind of reaching out to artists we admired that we would like to meet and uh, you know people that had produced records we really liked. So um, at, the, at the time, like Mark Hoppus had just produced uh, the Motion City soundtrack record um, and so we had, we had reached out to him, um, and we, we had, uh, we had reached out to Nick Hexum from 311 who had done, uh, he had been doing some producing, um, and John Feldman from Goldfinger who, who had done all the, the used stuff. And I mean, he's an insanely successful producer and, uh, uh, Tim Armstrong from Rancid so we it was really exciting because we were reaching out to all these people like all these artists that we admired and we never thought we'd actually ever meet let alone get to work with them in the studio so um yeah it was it was kind of a kind of a crazy time um and we we do you know two or three songs with each producer um so it was pretty short short runs in the studio but it was it was really exciting. I think it, it gave a lot of like flavor and a lot of texture to to the album because um, you have like a, yeah a lot of different point of views and a lot of different ideas and yeah it was it was just a lot of fun. Well, thank you all so much for joining me. I I just like to know what's next for everyone. Um, any reunion shows coming up uh, or uh, new films for Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, as far as as far as the band goes, we we had been planning to do stuff this year. Um, obviously, everything's kind of put on hold, so we'll we're, we'll check back in next year and and kind of see where everybody stands. But yeah, we definitely love to to do some more shows, um, maybe get some new music out. So we're just kind of currently every everyone's we're all just kind of playing it by ear. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, um, I've been kind of taking my pandemic time uh, and doing a lot of writing. Um, uh, the I've been so embedded in the music world, and I just feel like there's more stories to tell. So I have um, I have one script that's digging a little deeper into um, basically just like the kind of ramifications of touring extensively and about that burnout that we touch on in Bleeding Audio, but um, we don't really dig as deep into um, when you come off the road, the challenges that come with that. Um, and I'm also working on another script with um, a musician friend that's just a total weird, um, can I curse? Yeah, absolutely. Okay? It's course. a total weird mindfuck of a movie that <laughs> struggles with identity and, um, and just jumps through memory in a way that um, has been really fun to write. So I'd love for, to have my next project be one of those. So if anybody's interested, hit me up. Yeah, uh, um, I'm staying in the doc world. I love how uh, Chelsea is like veering into narrative because she's probably like, I'm so over it. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm working, I'm producing a couple doc shorts this year and then I'm directing a doc that's, we had put on pause last year for production. I'm hoping till we'll be in new production uh, hopefully this year because um, I'm traveling. It's focusing on volunteers that help patients um, outside of clinics. Thank all three of you so much. I'd just like to direct everyone to go see Bleeding Audio at uh... Slam dancer, any local festival it makes it to. Uh, 
really believe in your doc and appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us.